take heart. Your sins have been forgiven. He's saying, look, what you really need is not necessarily to get up and walk. What you really need is to have your sins forgiven. And I have come to forgive you of your sins. Are you looking for meaning or a word from God that's relevant to your life? Are you searching for a better understanding of who God is? Well, you're in the right place. You found the Gary Talks About God podcast. This is a weekly podcast that comes to you from the pulpit of Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church in Germantown, North Carolina. The podcast is hosted by Red Bank Senior Pastor Gary Sanders. Now let's get ready to take that walk through God's Word with our pastor, teacher, and friend. Hey, he's that guy we call Gary. If you have your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 9 is where we will be. Again, answering the question that we've been answering for the past three weeks. Who is this coming Messiah? And so far this morning, uh, I hope you remember that we have seen that the coming Messiah is wonderful counselor. That was the first answer. He was also mighty God. That was the second answer. And then today, we will hear the third answer. Let's look at Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, to remind us of what the prophet Isaiah wrote. It says, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. And in that we have our third answer. He is Everlasting Father. Now, and to help us to understand this answer this morning, I want us to look just quickly at each name that is given. Because in each name that is given, when you look at it, there is an aspect of deity combined with an aspect of humanity. As Wonderful Counselor, Wonderful, we saw, actually points to his deity because all throughout Scripture, Wonderful constantly points back to God. Counselor, we understand in the human form and humanity of, of giving wisdom. Now, taking those together, we see divine wisdom. We looked at mighty God, and of course, we are immediately know that God means deity, and we saw how that designation in Isaiah, he uses over and over and over, saying that the one who will come will be God, and at the same time, mighty, referring to a mighty man, a champion, someone who would reign supreme after a battle. So combining those two, we have God who is our mighty champion. Everlasting this morning, of course, points to his deity. Only God can exist from everlasting to everlasting. And then, Father, we think of that in humanity and human terms as we have all had a dad and we know what that is like. He is our everlasting Father. As a prince, we see again his humanity. We understand royalty and kings and queens and they have princes but in peace we see deity, for only God himself can bring us peace, re return us to the peace that has been broken. So those two together, we have the prince who is coming to bring peace with God. So each point there points us to the fact that a child is born and a son is given, referring to, again, his deity and his humanity, God in the flesh. 
And when we come to this title this morning, and we understand that Jesus is the one who perfectly fulfills each one of these titles, this morning, this is the one that we're going to have to unpack a little bit because when we come to Everlasting Father, we kind of, we don't know what to make with it exactly. And so in understanding and examining that title this morning, I want us just to look at three truths that we learn from this. And the first is this, Everlasting Father describes His unchanging nature. Describes His unchanging nature. God never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He will never, ever change. And when we come to this title and, and when we look at this and, and we go, all right, um, he's everlasting, Jesus is everlasting, I, I don't have a problem with that, but combining the two and saying everlasting Father, we have a little bit of a hard time with because of our Trinitarian view and understanding of God. We understand that God exists as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Each one distinct and personality yet of the same substance. When we pray, we do not pray in the name of the Father, Jesus. Amen. We pray in the name of the Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. So how do we understand this term of everlasting Father? Because we know that Jesus is not the Father. Well, I think there is a great way from history that we can understand this, right? And it goes all the way back to the founding of America. When we talk about George Washington, when we talk about Thomas Jefferson, when we talk about Benjamin Franklin, when we talk about uh, uh, John Adams and, and the others, we talk about America's founding fathers, right? That is a phrase we have all heard throughout our lives. Why are they called that? Simply because they were alive at the founding of America, They were there when the Constitution was written. They were there when the Declaration of Independence was written. So they were there at the founding of America. So how does this analogy help us understand that? Well, it helps us to understand because we know that Jesus was alive at creation. He was there when creation began. And not only that, he was the instrument through which creation came to be. When we turn to the Gospel of John and we look at John chapter 1, we are told this very, very clearly. John chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness is not overcome. And there you have it. At the beginning, when creation came into being, Jesus Christ was there. And he was the instrument of bringing it in. He was the founding father of creation, if you will. But not only that, if you go all the way to the end, to the book of Revelation, you will find three different times Jesus saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega. Hey, I was there at the beginning, and I will be there at the end as well. Jesus was in eternity past, and Jesus will be in eternity future. He was the same in the beginning, and he will be the same in the end. 
And just as God does not change, we know Hebrews 13, 38, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when we look at the title Everlasting Father, it draws us to his unchanging nature. The theological term, if you really want to be fancy, is called constancy. They just took constance and turned it into an adjective, meaning he doesn't change. The weather changes, right? It it changed since yesterday. It's changed again. Everybody, please stop sharing on Facebook that it might snow Friday. We've all seen it, all right? We, We know that there's a forecast for snow on Christmas Day. You can stop sharing now. It's going to change. It's going to change again the next week. Work changes. The world changes. Everything around us changes. The one thing that does not change is Jesus Christ. And this is critically important because it means that God's plan of salvation has not changed. God's plan of redemption has not changed. God's plan is Jesus Christ, the Messiah, dying on the cross for our sins. The saints of the Old Testament look forward to this day. And for us, we look back on that because we were saved in the same manner that they were. And should Jesus decide not to come back for another 10,000 years, every person between now and then will be saved in exactly the same way. Why? Because of his unchanging nature. Jesus will never change. His plan of salvation will never change. He will remain the same. An everlasting Father points us to that truth. Secondly, it describes an unchanging affection. It describes an unchanging affection. You don't have to turn there, but Matthew chapter 9, verse 2. Interesting passage. And sometimes I think we read through Scripture and, and we just overlook things that seem very simple and commonplace. So Jesus got into the boat and he crossed over, and some people brought him a paralytic lying on a bed, right? And it says, And when Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, my son, your sins are forgiven. Interesting that he throws right there in the middle, my son. Mark chapter 5, verse 34, would be, we'd read over this one kind of simply as well and not paying much attention. This is where Jesus heals a woman, and he says at the end, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And both of those interactions, Jesus interacts with the the man and the woman in the capacity of a father and a son, and a father and a daughter. And in both of those cases, what you see is Jesus lavishing his love and his attention and his affection on them. Jesus is is gracious to them, just as fathers are gracious to their children. In fact, Jesus was so gracious that he, he stepped out of heaven to save us, even though we did not deserve it, right? He was, he was gracious when he was beaten and nailed to the cross for our sins. He was gracious when he took on our death for us. He extended that grace towards us. We see that Jesus is compassionate. He shows compassion to our frailty. 
We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize, but in all manners was tempted like we, but without sin. He understands everything that we go through, and he has compassion on us. He knows our frailty. And in our frailty and out of his compassion, he bends down and he lifts us up and he saves us because he knows that we cannot save ourselves. He is patient towards us. Do I even need to elaborate on that one for you? Or y'all pretty much know what that means. The word patient means long-suffering. Right? He suffers us long for a long time. Not y'all, but some of us, like me, he suffers more than others. Right? Isn't Isn't it great to know that he doesn't unsave us when we mess up? Right? I mean, he, he doesn't do that. He loves us. I mean, think about how much he loves us. Just as a father loves his children, Jesus loves us. Ask yourself this question. What is it about you that makes Jesus love you? Right? What is it? What, what? Now, the answer is a difficult question because we don't want to admit nothing. There's nothing in and of ourselves that we can offer Jesus to make him love us, yet he, he, he loves us, just, just like a father. Father holds their newborn baby for the first time. That baby has done absolutely nothing for that father, for that father to love that child, yet the father loves the child. We have done nothing for Jesus to love us, yet he loves us. As a father, he, he gives us everything that we need we lack and won't for nothing. I mean, do you see the compassionate nature here as he's called Father? He's called Father because he is just so affectionate and tender to us. And it ultimately displayed when he stepped out of heaven, did not consider it robbery to take on the form of a man so that he could walk and that he could go to the cross for the joy that was set before him. That's that's love. That's a sacrificial love that a father understands toward their children. Now, we we understand that. Now, let me just throw in a little caveat. I always always like to to put a little caveat when we talk about God's love and Jesus' love for us because there's nothing that we can do to make him love us more. Once you are in Christ, he loves you with an eternal love that does not increase or decrease. However, that doesn't give us permission not not to serve him. All right? We continue to serve him out of the love that he has for us. But he will never love you any more or any less because he loves you with an infinite love. And then, as everlasting Father, it describes his unchanging work. We've seen it already, but it it just drives us to the cross. Everything that Jesus did, he did knowing that the cross was coming. I mean, Jesus really lived in the shadow of the cross from the very beginning. Jesus came to forgive our sins. Because if we cannot be forgiven our sins, then the relationship with God cannot be reestablished. Did you pay attention to that passage in Matthew, right, where he, where he healed the man? And he says, says to him, you know, 
get up, you know, you, my son, you, you've been healed. What, did you pay attention to the very last part of that, of what he said when he says that his what? His sins have been forgiven. Take, take heart. Your, your sins have been forgiven. He's saying, look, your, your sins, what you really need is not necessarily to get up and walk. What you really need is to have your sins forgiven. And I have come to forgive you of your sins. You go to Luke chapter 7. Luke chapter 7 is a beautiful passage. Luke chapter 7, you may know it when I describe it. Jesus is, is there and he is eating in the home of a Pharisee. And he goes in and he's sitting at the table and he's just, he's just reclined at the table. And all of a sudden the meal is interrupted by a woman who is described a woman of the city who was a sinner. How, how would you like that to be your designation in Scripture? We don't know her name. We know two things. One, she was a woman of the city, and two, we knew that she was a sinner. Right? And she comes in, and standing behind Jesus, uh, she begins to anoint his head, and, and, and she's, she's weeping. Right? I mean, I mean says, says she began to wet his feet with her tears. She wiped them with the hair of her head, kissed his feet, and anointed them with, anoint, with uh, ointment. And you remember what the Pharisee says? The Pharisee just ridicules Christ. If, if you were a prophet, you would have known who and what sort of woman who is touching you is. Now, we don't know, but for her to be called a, a, a woman of the city, for the Pharisee to say, you would know who and what sort, I don't think, I think we all think the same thing. The indication is this was a lady who made her living through exchanging sexual favors for money. Now, again, Scripture doesn't say that explicitly. But the tone of the scripture is right there, right? So what we're talking about is the most righteous person somebody could be, a Pharisee at the table with Jesus, and then the person that no one wants to have anything to do with comes into his house, doesn't open her mouth, but just begins to cry and weep. The Pharisee can only see her sin, Jesus can only see her need. And Jesus looks down at her. And he says to her, Therefore I tell you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven. And he says that to the Pharisee. But then he turns and he looks at her and he says, Your sins are forgiven. Jesus saw her need. She needed to be forgiven of her sins. We read in Psalm 147.3 that He will come and heal the brokenhearted and bind up their sorrows. Luke chapter 7, this woman, the sin was causing her brokenness and sorrow, and Jesus picks up her heart and mends it back together. He says, your sins are forgiven. His unchanging work is to come and do just that. 
and through faith in Jesus Christ, you know what? Jesus can then heal a marriage. Jesus can heal an addiction. Jesus can heal a family. There is not one area of life that Jesus cannot heal. And it all starts with coming and knowing Him as Lord and Savior. Because Jesus came to institute His work, His redeeming work on Calvary, so that we could have access to the Father and our sins would be forgiven. That is the unchanging nature of His work. And that unchanging nature of His work is what will satisfy your soul. This morning, I want you to hear the words of Christ as we end. To, to listen to how His unchanging nature and unchanging work satisfies us. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. In your presence there is fullness of joy at your right hand, pleasure forevermore. For he satisfies the longing soul. Take my yoke upon, me, upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. That is his unchanging work. And it all flows from the work that he did on the cross. This morning, if you're longing for something and you're looking for something and you can't quite put your finger on it, what you're longing for and what you're missing is Jesus Christ. And this morning, instead of looking for satisfaction at Christmas in a nicely wrapped present underneath the tree, come to the everlasting Father who can satisfy every need of your soul. You've been listening to the Gary Talks About God podcast. Are you looking for a church? Well, Red Bank Missionary Baptist Church is a community of believers who exist to glorify God and see transform lives through the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can find us on the web at www.redbankmbc.com. Also, come visit us on Sunday at 8104 Red Bank Road in Germantown, North Carolina. Did you like this podcast? We put one out each and every week, so don't forget to subscribe. We hope this has been a blessing to you, and we thank you for listening.